With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is the Anfield Wrap. It's the weekend. All very exciting stuff indeed. Uh, in front of me, I have Steve Graves, Philippa Smallwood and Damien Cavana to talk about, first and foremost, Liverpool being beaten, beaten of all things by Atletico Madrid. Uh, and then also uh, looking ahead to the game against West Ham. Uh, we've got Kyle Percy coming on from Boss Mag to talk about Dua Lipa being booked by them in Liverpool, which is absolutely tremendous. And a conversation as well uh, about West Ham United uh, with Rasheen Thomas from The Athletic. But we will start off by talking about Liverpool having the temerity, well, Atletico Madrid having the temerity to beat Liverpool, Steve. And it's possibly the most enjoyable defeat I've had for a while, not literally whilst it was on, but the idea of really looking forward to the fact that this has become a genuine challenge. And maybe this is unbelievable arrogance. Maybe this is us getting carried away. But I can't wait to let it go come to Anfield. I can't wait till Liverpool get to take them on again because I sort of enjoyed the idea of the way in which they tried to stop us. Well, it should be a, a great night. And yeah, the... The challenge, the challenge that they pose is 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 probably the, the sort of last challenge left to Liverpool, you know, for Liverpool to, con- to kind of conquer that kind of thing where it's really hard to break sides down. And it was the the Swansea Carvalhal, the, the Swansea manager with the, the Formula One car in parked in traffic, uh, parked yeah. in traffic. I mean, I'm not sure what Liverpool are now in that in that analogy. Something that's much better than a Formula One car. Um, so I think it, it, if Liverpool were able to sort of slay that. Ghost, I think it's almost like then, then you, yeah. How do you beat Liverpool? How do what, what do you do against them if if that doesn't really work for you? I think it oddly, I think it might be harder for Atletico to do away from home in the way that it normally is normally the way round. You know, setting up away from home in, in Europe. You know, you can your crowd gets on your back if you if you play kind of the way that they play. But because they're so, first I think partly because they they've not they sort of the way their season's gone. It's not been a, a glorious one. They. They sort of they know they're in this now. They understand they haven't got Antoine Griezmann. They haven't got perhaps the the, the players to to go toe to toe with Liverpool. And they're so they're so bought into knowing what Simeone can do and and his, his best at that that he was able to sort of marshal that whole crowd and that whole atmosphere to support them. Um, you know, unswerve, un, un, unbendingly, I suppose, in at home. I think at Anfield it will be a little bit harder for them to set up like that, and it will certainly be harder for Liverpool not to. Almost not to to just be willed forwards by by the whole Anfield thing. I mean, you, you've seen it obviously against Barcelona. We've seen it so many times that Liverpool once they get they can catch a wave at Anfield that then um, it can it can very quickly go against the side, even the sort of the best the best set up side. You know, Southampton we saw come and, and be very well set up, be look like the archetypal team that Liverpool would struggle to, to to break down. And then once the the floodgates opened, they 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 truly did open. So. It's gonna be it's gonna be really really fun. I, I can't say I massively enjoyed it the process, but I, I sort of understand enjoying the outcome. I enjoyed the the fact that they got to be the best version of themselves, Damien. And if you're them, yeah. you got to be the best version of yourselves, but you're still only one ahead. 
And I think it's interesting, mm. actually, one of the things that's not been touched on is I think they have a bit of a go insofar as they can last 10. Like, they're thinking, right, now's the time. If yeah. we're going to get a second, now's the time. And it doesn't come for them. And I think that showed a lot of maturity from Liverpool. They got out with the, with the after four minutes with what was then the worst possible, the, the best possible bad outcome yeah. is the one they got out with on the night. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, fair play to Atleti. They were great, weren't they? Everything aligned for them on the night. The crowd were great. They got the early goal. The referee. Able, yeah, all that. Well, he knew how to play the referee. I think that's the, that's the thing. Um, and, and they were great and fair play to them, but the point that you're making there is a good one because there was certainly, late on in the game, Liverpool could have been caught on the stick or twist and they could have really gone for it and got a lot closer to 1-1 and turned it into 0-2. Now, that then really would have been an uphill struggle. And just because we did what we did to Barcelona doesn't mean it's naturally going to happen anywhere and anyhow yeah. else. Barcelona are much... Um, different kettle, much harder to keep out, but much easier to break down. So it's a different set of problems, isn't it? But yeah, there's a lot of maturity there, and, and I don't blame the you know the Atletico players and fans for the lap of honour and all all the, how made up they are. This is the greatest team in the world, and it's not just our opinion; it's a statement of FIFA fact. We are absolutely there, and we're knocking everybody over. Now we've lost, understandably, in the hardest club competition in the world, and away leg, and. Everything that we feared came to pass. The worst that could happen to us is what we saw was getting beat 0-1 and we're still in the game. I mean, you, you think of it in terms of after the second leg, if we don't go through, the eight remaining teams are going to be like having this weight off them and think it could be our year. By the same virtue, if and I think when we go through, the other seven teams will have this shadow hanging over them thinking we've just had them in the hardest possible place they could have been in that round and they've cleared the hurdle again. And by with, by the time the quarterfinals comes, we're already league champions. So yeah, we're in a great place. We've managed it well. I think it shows a great improvement. I think it shows that Jürgen's learning on the job mm. inch by inch and these are the, the final bits because he's conquered absolutely everything else. And I think he's going to conquer that as well. Uh, in terms of learning on the job, you almost see that maybe with the Manny sub at half time and the Salah sub. You know, if that's a final, neither of those two things happen. But it's not a final. It's the last sixteen game. He knows there's ninety more minutes at Anfield, and Liverpool do play Saturday, Tuesday. And I think that that's the key thing to take away from the Mo Salah substitution, Philippa, is what they weren't prepared to do was gamble Mo Salah's legs, gamble his fitness, just to get him to play the last fifteen minutes of that game. I think it showed that. Whilst um, accepting that Liverpool's feat last year against Barcelona was fantastic, that you know that is a rarity. It doesn't happen all the time. And I think Damien's right in the sense that I do think he's learnt from that last season. And rather than thinking, right, we can get right back in this and you know get that away goal, is he's, he's kind of almost accepted that. You know, it's great if we can nick the goal, but it's not the be-all and end-all. It's probably better for us if we don't concede mm. another one. And I think that was why he made the substitutions that he made. Not necessarily the Mane one at half-time, because I think that was more about making sure that he didn't miss the second leg as well as possibly potentially part of um, the match on Tuesday. Um, but I think the Ox coming on for um, Salah, I think that was a purely let's make sure that we don't come out of here any worse than what we are at the minute. Um, and then bringing Milner on um, for Henderson rather than going a little bit more attack-minded like Kate coming on um, or even Minamino. Um, I think that is something that he would do if it was the second leg, but being the first leg, it's not not a chance worth taking. And I think that is something that he's definitely learned from last season or... Um, you know, that he would have taken that chance last season that, you know, he didn't really have anything to lose in a sense but this time with the defending champions and there is that kind of like that 
um, I don't know what you call it, but I think it's steak. No, it's the idea. That it's almost really strangely. One of the things I was thinking with fifteen to go was in a really weird way. The season's at stake in the way in which it is. If you were in this competition and you were seventh. In that, yeah. because you know, it's almost like as Damien's just said, by the time the quarterfinals come round, you know, the league title might be done. It yeah. will be, and, and there, yeah. and therefore, what have you got to play for? And there might, we might still be in the cup, and you never know on that front. But my point is more. I, what the, really strangely, the thing that hit me was if these go two 0 here, this could mean that we're all effectively de facto on the beach by the first week of April, and that's really weird. And that it'd be the best <laughs> yeah. season that we, we've had for thirty years in the key thing that we wanted for thirty years. Yeah. But the flip side is we'd all be a bit like, mm, all right, then uh, what do you do now? Yeah, that would be very disappointing, wouldn't it? What a way to end the most unbelievable season. And if Atletico knock us out and Chelsea knock us out, this is still a stupendous season. Still champions of the world and Premier League winners. And, you know, nothing will ever take that away. But why spoil the fun? And and, and you don't pick the years and your trophies. Oh, we'll win that one next year. We'll do this next <laughs> yeah. year. The time is now. The time is now. And this team is the greatest team in the world. And this team is definitely um, about... A year ago, um, and certainly in the run into the title last season, we were not we were frustrated as Liverpoolians to watch teams fold against Man City, and then give us legs and really really make us work for every result. And that's shifted at, the, at this point in time where teams are folding against Liverpool and having a go at Man City. So while we're in this position, the European Cup's there to be won. It's an unbelievable trophy. I know we've won it a massive six times, but that's only six times in our lifetime. It doesn't come along all that often, does it? And this team is good enough to win it. So other teams are as well. And if an Atletico knock us out, by whatever means, fair play to them. They have been the underdogs and they enjoyed revisiting that title, didn't they? And the, the snarliness of it and the aggression of it. But, you know, it, it would be a great shame if we didn't go, you know, a, a lot deeper in this cup. On the night, Steve... I think Robertson is arguably Liverpool's stand-up performer. I think he plays plays pretty well. He also shows the way, I think. He makes the pitch really big, mm. stretches them, looks to get in behind repeatedly. I think that that'll be, hopefully, what we'll see a lot of at Anfield is is Robertson being able, Robertson and Trent, but maybe it might be that it's, we've got to pick a side and almost mine it because they, they look like they were doubling and even tripling up on Trent, but it may well be that that's where it's going to come from, the idea of breaking them down in those wide areas and then finding it in the middle of the box. Yeah, I mean, you, Robertson, you, you'd assume... Um, Mane, you know, it, it will be fine. Um, and obviously then um, Salah Trent on the other side. I mean, I, I, I always think when, when we when we do sort of mine, as you say, that that one side, that it, it then you can find the ball, you know, popping up to the, to the other side where, where the person can apply a finish or whatever. But ultimately, yeah, you, Liverpool, look, Liverpool, I think, will, will, will look to, to do that. I think sort of paradoxically, then you bring Firmino in more than you do if you play through the middle sometimes. In that if you, if yeah. you sort of focus everything... Through the middle, you see. I mean, I, I I thought there was a lot of really really nice touches from Firmino throughout the game, um, where you just think he's he, he's oozing class, but he's not he's not got anywhere to go with it sometimes. Um, whereas I think if he can arrive on stuff and and maybe the the game is played ahead of him at times, and he you know rather than relying on him as a sort of focal point and and um, relying on maybe a little a yard of pace that he doesn't have, um, it, it, it's 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 much better fit for him as well. Um, I think Liverpool just as a whole, you know, they'll they'll. They'll be able to play that little bit further forward. Um, there was a little bit of talk about whether um, Henderson even makes that game. I think is um, is is being talked, and David Lynch today was saying that that's um, there could be a sort of safety first approach that means he doesn't make even the, you know the second leg. Never mind making you know West Ham and the games that are to come. Um, in which case, then you've got a decision, and I wouldn't be surprised if the decision was something a little bit more attacking through the middle than the one that the manager makes this time as you know as the direct swap. That said, I think Milner can also be. 
a more attacking option than he was in this game. Um, you mm-hmm. know, again, it's it's not just the personnel; it's it's the way it's what you want to get out of them. And I think Liverpool pretty much were were happy to to, to get out of there with with things intact at one 0 and that's why you see the sort of the front three you see finishing that game. It was the definition of a cauldron, you know. I think people aren't really playing this up enough at our end. I mean, you know, the atmosphere was there. Mm. You know, they're a fervent crowd, they're a fervent manager. Mm-hmm. And they're a favouring team and they were really giving it everything, weren't they, you know, and, and we do it to everybody else and they do it on their day, don't they? And, yeah. and, and so Liverpool didn't shrink. Liverpool yeah. held the possession, held the line, managed the game. And on another day, it, it finished one nil. I don't think that was an unfair reflection of the game, but if we'd have sneaked it to one all, I don't think they could have moaned. Well, that, I'm, one of the things around that is the sneaking it to 1-1. My, my, my only frustration, really, and I, th- I do wonder, you know, the manager will obviously, and shouldn't, this isn't me saying he should, speak openly about the way in which he does or doesn't view Origi. It, there is something, Philippa, where I think he's just never quite what you want in the game. And he comes on and he just never quite, whatever it is that you want him to be in any given moment, he's, he's doing the, the other thing. At times he's showing feet when he should be showing line. At times he's running the line when you'd like him to come short and offer for it. Mm. It, it. It was a really, I mean, and it must be so hard for him, but this is one of those things, isn't it, where if he is the perennial number four of three, he is the perennial substitute, and then you throw him into the cauldron, as Damien says, it is frustrating to not get more out of him. It is. I, I actually feel sorry for him in a lot of ways because I think he has an awful lot to give, but I think... It's a very difficult role to play that coming in and out of a side and maybe getting 10, 15 minutes here and there and then all of a sudden you're expected to come on and play 45 and have have quite a big influence on, on a game. And I just think sometimes players need rhythm. Um, and I think it was really interesting last season because I think towards the end of last season he really found that rhythm. He found that little nook of being able to get into games and I think a lot of that was down to the fact Firmino hadn't, uh, been fit towards the end of the season. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I think it's it's sometimes a little bit unfair to judge players because when when you have a player who um, has been out injured, we all know that they're going to come back in. They're going to be a little bit rusty. It's going to take them time. We've seen that with Fabino. Um, you know how how difficult he's found it coming back in and being at the same intensity as the players that have been playing week in week out. And I think it's the same with players like Origi who haven't had that much game time. Um, you know, it's a really difficult role to come in. And when you've got somebody like Mane, who is so outstanding that, you know, everything he does is so on point and everything that you want a player to be doing in his position, you're then having Origi come on and you're comparing apples with pears, really. Yeah. He's not the same player, but we're expecting him to be the same. Uh, excellent stuff indeed. Listen, uh, in a minute or two, I'll be chatting away to Kyle Percy. And then after uh, seven o'clock, we'll be all about West Ham United uh, on this side of things. Uh, but there'll be more chat about that side against Atletico Madrid and what to do next. Uh, don't go anywhere. And it's John Gibbons for the weekend. And we're doing the Last Fan Standing quiz. And Last Fan Standing, as you all should know by now, is a quiz app that you play on your phone. It's all about testing your LFC knowledge. And you can play every night at seven o'clock for fun. Or you can play, our well, there, R slash predict the quiz. Uh, I say R because me and or, and or Neil normally end up doing it. And yeah, and that's to win cash prizes. So yeah, predict the quiz around the matches. But every night at seven o'clock, just for fun. And also, obviously, to you know, show that you know more about Liverpool than everyone else. And hoping to prove that right now, we have Darren on the phone. Uh, Darren Warren, who's who's a postman and you're out and about. You're taking a quick break for us, mate. I certainly am, yeah. I to get out the rain for a bit. <laughs> oh, we appreciate it. We, we appreciate your dedication to content as ever. Um, 
So how Last Fan Standing Quiz App works is basically you carry on until you get one wrong. So we play it exactly the same way. So I've got 10 questions here. They go with eight, but we've got 10. Uh, and so, Darren, we just keep going until you get one wrong. Is that a sound okay? Yeah, that's fine. No, no problem. Okay. Um, so number one, on. <laughs> let's just crack on indeed. So number one is what's the name of, of Atletico Madrid Stadium? Is it the one, the Metropolitano or the Santiago Bernabeu? The first one, the Metropolitan. Is right. Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) Indeed. Okay. Uh, Number two, did James Milner play any part in the match on Tuesday night? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, he did. He came off the bench, replaced Jordan Henderson, who we're all hoping is okay. Uh, Number three, Liverpool's top goal scorer in the Champions League is, is it Steven Gerrard, Mo Salah or Sadio Mane? Oh, now is it still Steven Gerrard? It is still Gerrard, yeah. He's got 30, which will take some beating. I think uh, Mo and Sadio are on around 20 each, uh, or, or certainly high teens. Uh, but it is still Steven Gerrard. Correct, you're on number four now, mate. Where was Atletico manager Diego Simeone born? Was it Brazil, Spain, or Argentina? He's Argentinian. He is, correct. Uh, there we go. Flying, number five. Who was the last time to beat Liverpool in the league at Anfield? Was it Crystal Palace or Wolves? Crystal Palace. Yeah, April 2017. We haven't lost in Anfield since. Uh, Peter Crouch was bought by Liverpool from Portsmouth in 2005. Is that true or false? So Peter, false, C- I think it's Southampton. That is, yeah, you're flying. He did play for Portsmouth, but we didn't sign yeah. him from there. Um, so we're up to number seven. Which of these players hasn't represented both Liverpool and West Ham? So which of these players hasn't represented both Liverpool and West Ham? Andy Carroll, Ray Houghton or Nigel Clough? Uh, must be Clough. I'm saying Nigel Clough. It is correct. Yeah, Andy Carroll and Ray Houghton both play for both Liverpool and West Ham. You're flying here, mate. Number eight. When Liverpool played at West Ham in January, Liverpool scorers were Mane and Oxley Chamberlain. Is that true or false? Uh, no, I think Salah scored the second one. Yeah, that is correct. You, you, I'll tell yeah. you what, we need, we need you hosted on the Anfield app. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Salah and Oxlade-Chamberlain who scored the goal. So that is correct. Okay, you're on number nine. Who was the, who was the referee in this match? This is getting oh, tough yeah. now. So this is Liverpool away at West Ham in, sorry, ho, yeah, away at West Ham in January. Uh, who was the referee in this match? Was it Mike Dean, Jonathan Moss or Martin Atkinson? Is, I think it's Martin Atkinson. It was Jonathan Moss according to this. Ah. I do apologise, but I never would have got that way. I tell you what, throwing the referee in from a game in January seems very harsh. Oh, no. I think I think the uh, you've been stitched up a bit by the last fun standing guys <laughs> there. But but I tell you what, that an eight right you did very well there. Uh, yeah, well, quite chuffed about that. Yeah, you'd have took yeah. that before the ball was kicked. Um, oh yeah, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> I got past the first one. I didn't mind. <laughs> okay, mate. Um, do send us. Yeah, send us um, your, your address and your, your shared size on, on Facebook. Obviously, we've got a review chat there. So send us your shared yeah. size on Facebook there. And yeah, we'll get, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get that out to you just for playing. But I think you might, you might end up in the, uh, in, the, in the semi-finals when we do it at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the year with that score as well. But thanks a lot for getting involved, Darren, and cheers. And uh, speak to you soon. Thank you, John. Bye. Cheers. It is the Anfield Wrap, and I'm speaking to Kyle Percy from Boss to talk about what was announced uh, just while we were doing some another show before, and everyone went berserk, which is that Boss are putting on Dua Lipa on the 29th of May, uh, the night before the next Champions League final, so that could be an interesting dart for a few people. Uh, Kyle, how's it all come together? Because this is absolutely tremendous, and it's a, it's a big hark back to the fabulous time we all had in Kiev. Yeah, it's a bit mad, like... Um... That's how it came about, obviously. So we got back from Kiev. Because uh, of what happens, obviously, it wasn't the result we wanted and all that. And obviously, the main things that we were talking about with the fan park and Zuba Leaper's sort of performance and one kissing, especially at the start. So, I thought, yeah, send the management a little email, see what comes in it. 
uh, not merely Cable at the time, but they've, they've recently got back in touch and said, uh, do we want to collaborate on this um, this concert that they're putting on for us in May? So, obviously, we said, yeah. And uh, that's where we are now. So, um, yeah, so that, that's obviously we announced before. We've got an exclusive uh, 14th hour pre-sale that's going through the boss, all the boss night social media accounts, uh, which starts uh, next week. It's on the 26th of February, that's Wednesday. The- the, there was a thing going round after it, after the final, that you know the next time Dewey Leaper plays Liverpool, this is what the crowd will look like, and it was uh, it was fair to say a very boss based sort of crowd, and that's actually what's going to happen here. Dewey Leaper's going to play these gigs up and down the country, play a big concert in all these places. This one's in the M&S Arena in Liverpool, but in places like the M&S, and it's going to look like a usual Dewey Leaper crowd. It could look absolutely bananas as far as she's concerned in Liverpool, couldn't it? It, 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 it definitely could be. And as, as you see, this, this, is, this, this will be a sort of full Dewey for concert, but it will have a sort of sprinkle on a boss night, if you like. So, uh, well, I can't say too much, if you like, but we are still sort of, we, we sort of go back and forth, now potentially maybe sorting some support for it and stuff like that. So, and a few other things could happen as well. Uh, but as you say, yeah, it's, it, it's, it could, be a, could be a bit of a mad night, like, and it's something different for, for us, obviously, a boss. It's not, you know, Just just to throw it out there, Kyle, if this uh, if 
we get to the final, uh, which will be on the 30th in Istanbul. If people were to come to the city, it's fair to say that Boss will probably be screening that final as well, wouldn't they? So they could go and see Dua Lipa on the Friday night, and then they can go to wherever Boss screen that final on the Saturday night and, and have a fantastic weekend in the city. That's it. Yeah, it'll be a full weekend of uh, Boss nights, if you know what I mean. Hopefully with <laughs> So we'll merge you once, do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely terrific stuff. So that's what you'll have for you. Jubilipper on the 29th in the M&S Arena, uh, put on by Boss. Uh, it doesn't get any bigger or any better than that, or any bolder, as I said before. It's ter- terrific stuff. Well, and Kyle and everyone at Boss Night for pulling it together, and Jubilipper as well for doing it. Joe Barashin Thomas from the Athletic to have a chat about uh, West Ham United, obviously, as you would expect. It is a pretty dismal set of circumstances at the moment, Rasheen, looking at the fixtures and the way in which they're lining up. It was a defeat against Manchester City last night. Liverpool obviously be tough opponents, but it doesn't get that much easier for West Ham across the next few weeks. It's a club that finds itself suddenly in crisis. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we saw yesterday another disappointing performance for West Ham. You know, as soon as the team sheet was announced, fans were like, oh my goodness, like, what on earth is this formation? Just negative, <laughs> negative team flexion from Moyes. I mean, yeah, it was tough because, you know, when you look at West Ham's bench yesterday, the likes of Jared Bowen, Felipe Anderson, you know, Sebastian Allaire, Manuel Lanzini, it was such a strong bench. And, you know, it was disappointing to see West Ham put out like a rather defensive team. So the hope is for Liverpool game, it'll be more an attack-minded team. And not just a Liverpool game, it's just through the coming months, really, attack-minded team, you know, performance that'll give fans some sort of optimism that West Ham will stay up. And that's what fans want to see, really, not you know, what we saw yesterday where the team pretty much conceded in defeat prior to even playing. It's something that, you know, looking at that bench, God, it was a strong bench. Uh, as you say, Hilaire was on the bench, Lanzini was on the bench, Anderson was on the bench. And you just end up sort of going, well, these are, you know, these are the main assets, the main people. And what you're saying there is you almost just wanted to see the side have a plan to have a go because, listen, I think Antonio was a really good, dangerous player, but he was very much on his own against City. And I think that maybe that's what the fans will be looking for against against Liverpool will be. Is there a plan to have a real go with the Reds? Yeah, very much so. I mean, like for example, yesterday... I thought West Ham were rather fortunate to still be 1-0 down at half-time. And in the press conference after the match, I asked David Moyes, I mean, 1-0 down, why do you not have the gamble and you know, bring on some attacking players a lot earlier as opposed to, what, the 80th minute when he brought on Jared Bowen? And he said he was just he was comfortable with how you know, West Ham was performing, you know, defensively solid. So, But I thought it was a missed opportunity, really, because obviously Man City were, were doing quite well on the break, but every time West Ham did break away on like a rare counter-attack, they looked dangerous. And as you mentioned, Mikel Antonio was at the heart of that. And a biggest takeaway for me was when Antonio was like leading the attack, sometimes he'd be by himself. No one else was able to like keep up with his pace. So that's that's also been an Achilles heel for West Ham this season, a lack of pace, lack of creativity. And you just thought that, you know, there's, there's players in the bench who could make that, that, that big that difference, but whatever reason Moyes don't wanna um, bring them on earlier yesterday. There's, you mentioned there before about you know about Antonio ended up sort of distant from everybody else because of his pace. But there's, when I've seen West Ham this season, I've always felt that Haller's been distant as well. And I think West Ham play relatively well against Southampton. I remember watching at a five thirty kickoff. I think I'm right in saying where they yeah. go they go to Southampton away and he plays the two of them together. And I think that's when they've looked at the most dangerous. Haller looks to me like he needs a partner. Antonio looks to me like he needs some company. And yet that's something that with under uh, neither of the managers that there's been this season. That's something that we just haven't seen. Yeah, and I mean, even even when, because um, that was Pellegrini at the time, he played 4-4-2 against Southampton, and that was like, fans were like, screaming for months, play 4-4-2, like, play Alain and Antonio up front, it's going to work, 
do it. And it was only when Pellegrini job was on the line where he decided to play 4-4-2. And I've seen it with Moyes. The thing with Moyes is he's, he's playing five in the fence. So that, obviously, you know, is one less attacking player on the pitch. And we've seen it in, in, in his first, first seven games in charge where he's just pretty much been a layout front by himself. As you mentioned, isolated, not really getting support. The fans have been frustrated from, from, by his performances. And I've always and I've always felt like four four two is the best formation for West Ham, whether it's Alain and Antonio or now Alain and possibly Jared Bowen or Antonio and Bowen, just to get that bit of pace because that's that's what West Ham have now with the with the, with the arrival of Bowen. So you're, you're pretty much crying out for David Moyes just to tinker a little bit and just try that in the coming months because it could work. It could it could work in West Ham's favour and it could lead to like you know much better performances as opposed to what we saw yesterday. It's next little thing on this is the return of Moyes and just sort of what it says about where the club finds itself at the moment. He's not yeah. pulling any trees up, and I don't think there is the expectation that he is. Listen, he might prove us all wrong, but he finds himself getting a second bite at a club like West Ham uh, at this phase of his career. And yet, you know, whatever happens, I, I feel now that if West Ham do scrape the way to safety and it might be scraping, I don't think he stays. The club just <laughs> seems perpetually at a crossroads, to be honest with you, Rasheen. Yeah. I mean,. After the match, Moyes was trending on Twitter. Everyone said, well, not everyone, but a lot of West Ham fans saying he should be sacked. I mean, that's how frustrated we are. It's been, what, I think, 52 days since he's been back in, back in time <laughs> at West Ham. But fans are like, he needs to go. People saying, oh, let's get Sam Allardyce in, or let's give it to Kevin Nolan at the end of the season, or let's get Joe Cole in. My thing is, like, it, it really doesn't make sense getting rid of Moyes right now. I mean, can you imagine West Ham having three managers in one season? I, I just don't see the logic behind it. That's that's my that's my take anyway. I mean, for my Q and A, I do Q and A after every match, and I had a Q, I had a question from a guy called Martin, and he says, like, should we do a what for and just change managers right now? And again, I just I just think we have to just keep face on Moyes. It's not working out right now. But as I mentioned beforehand, if he changes formation, just tinker, just tinker, just be more bold, be more be more brave in the team selection, and perhaps you could see an upturn in performances and upturn in results. As you mentioned earlier, it's going to be tough for West Ham, Liverpool. Wolverhampton, Tottenham, Chelsea in the coming months. So all you're hoping is for the boys just to be a bit more brave and change things around a little bit because it's not going it's not going to plan right now, hence why fans wanted to go but I I'm I'm still hopeful that we can turn it around. I'm still back in ways to get to, to get the job done. But the, the job's just so limited, and this is a side that you know was talking about European football, and that that to me is that, and, and also at the first six seven games, you know, I, I remember uh, watching you beat Man United, and thinking this is a side that could really go far, and then I think from the game where you go to Goodison onwards, it's just been it's just not been anywhere near good enough, and I think that's that's the killer for me is that now that getting the job done is seventeenth, whereas there was a point in this season where you know the the news comes about Manchester City and West Ham supporters would have been saying, I I we could finish fifth here. Yeah, you know what, just just. Reflecting on the earlier part of the season, I feel like a lot of fans would be all feel like that was down to Fabianski, really. Because when Fabianski got injured, that's yep. when everything started to go downhill. We started to see the defence make a lot, lot more mistakes. Obviously, the less said about Roberto, the better, because I mean, Roberto was nothing else. So the that to not scoring, and then around the same time, Antonio got injured as well, suffered a hamstring injury, got for almost like three months. So that happened. So fans are like, yeah, we're doing well, but I mean, it, it did paper over the cracks a little bit because Fabianski was saving us in games, you know, Antonio was doing his thing. So when, when we started to see the reality of where West Ham are, that's when things started to, you got a true affection of where the team will perform this season. It's just a shame that the team hasn't been able to like get over the, because um, for me, the, the, the turning point was a 4-0 defeat against Oxford, Oxford United. 
when the team suffered that fall of defeat, we haven't bounced back from that, and it's just been a downhill ever since. So, what's your yeah, it's, it's been, what's your score prediction then for this one on Monday night? What are you looking at? For this one, I'll 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 take a one-one draw right now. <laughs> I'm sure you would. <laughs> I'll take a one-one draw right now. No, that that would be great for West Ham. But I mean, uh, I mean, because you know, like if there's any team who can like beat uh, Liverpool and end up beating anyone, it's West Ham. <laughs> it sounds crazy saying it, but it's West Ham. On their day, West Ham could be anyone. We saw that in December against Chelsea, no one no win. No one gave West Ham a chance. Everyone's like, "Yep, Chelsea gonna win." No way West Ham win this match, and then look what happened. Got the three points. So, if Moyes plays an attack-minded team, just a team that will give, you know, Liverpool a run for their money, then I'm hopeful that West Ham will do well. But I mean, this is West Ham we're talking about, so <laughs> anything can happen. Excellent stuff. Let's uh, get back over to Steve, to Philippa, and to Damien. Thanks to Rasheen there. Uh, looking ahead then to West Ham United. Um, I think the first thing, Damien, there was a time where we didn't like our ownership very much, the current one. Um, mm-hmm. And we had the ownership that we had before that. It's fair to say that even when we didn't like the current one very much or when some people didn't like the current one very much, they didn't seem to be anywhere near as problematic as what's gone on at West Ham. Between no. this pitch move, promising brave new brave new worlds, brave new futures, the way they speak, the way they carry themselves. Yeah. It, this really does seem to me like a club that's in a lot more turmoil off the pitch than we get to see just off the back of some poor performances on yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. And um, every now and again, the anger bubbles over and you see the fans really going off their head, don't you? You think, oh, where's that come from? It's because they are extremely unhappy and they have been for a long time. Upton Park would have been sacred to them. So sacred they started calling it the bowling ground in the last year or so. <laughs> it went back to its old historic name. Um, and as the same way as our ground is to us. And they were offered, OK, we're going to sell the family silver here. All these memories you've got, all these World Cup winners. I know West Ham won the World Cup in 1966. All that history, which every club should be proud of. They were said, we're going to go into this brave new world. We're going to have this state-of-the-art stadium. We're going to put another word on the badge and show we're from London. And we're going to do this, that and the other. And they're also ran again. And it's not even attractive football. So, yeah, it's a difficult place to be. The Cockney boys, you'd certainly think... Um, in my experience going home and away with Liverpool, they were this kind of, the West Ham fans were kind of the favourite fans that we got on with. You know, I know there was a fearsome reputation of going down there, but you'd have more laughs with the West Ham fans. And it was like a commonality of, you know, similar experiences of, on the of river. cities. Yeah, all that. Yeah, all that. So you can sort of place yourself in their position and they're no shrinking violets, aren't they? If, they, if, they, if they're not happy, they do say it. And they do mean it. So it, it looks like there's a lot wrong there. And if you look at the investment that they've got and they're, how can I say? The very advantageous head start they've got with that stadium. It's, That's a nice way of putting it, I suppose, isn't it? They should be flying, and here they are in the bottom three. It's It just seems like it's all it's all rotten somewhere inside it, Steve. Every now and again, you look at the squad of players, you're going, you know, they all look good. It's not even fair just to sort of make David Moyes jokes around this right now, and that he's coming at a point where things have, gone, have began to go quite significantly wrong. There's talk of training facilities, when you speak to West Ham supporters and all sorts. It just looks to me like it's a... It's just not a happy camp at all. And even if they get out of this this season, I don't quite see what changes for them. No, they're, they're in such such weird disarray. And it, it, it feels odd because you sort of feel like you've seen other football clubs show the way to, to do better than this, um, to just follow different models when you are when you are a side like them. And, and as Damien said, with, with more advantages than, than some other sides who have sort of started from the same position, maybe footballing-wise, but haven't had the same, firstly, the same sort of history and name and the location in London to attract footballers. And then the um, the financial advantage that the, you know, the stadium situation has kind of conferred upon them. Um, I think there's, there's there's a lot to the, the story there in terms of 
com- complexity around who exactly is in in charge and sort of between the sort of um, the Sullivan side of things and then and then the gold side of things and Karen Brady in there as well and um, I mean there's there's loads and loads of it. it's it's kind of like us where they just don't happen anymore those sort of mini spats about things that you just you can't, that, I can't, no you one can't should even know about now. Yet. You know, yeah, stuff that should never come out. You know, um, there's, there's, there's things about like Karen Brady's column. I was reading about. Um, I think she writes a column in a, in a newspaper that we probably won't refer to, but um, that's caused some kind of major ructions because she was she was slagging off players in that, and um, and rather than just going, okay, well, you know, that was wrong. They 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 have this, and I think this is part of the sort of background of the, the ownership and and what. What they what the way they've built their in their businesses in their sort of um, colourful backgrounds in terms of you know the way they they've built businesses it's probably been backgrounds where it rewards kind of pugnaciousness and that kind of like well I'm just gonna a little bit I suppose like Alan Sugar felt like he ran Spurs when he was just like well if you if you're you know if the fans are telling me that then you know I I must be getting something right if I'm upsetting the fans I think at times it feels like that's there's a little bit of that culture in there now where they want to be identified as being we are of the fans, but they also want to say, well, we know better than you. And it, it's a toxic atmosphere and I think it, it's not helped. I suppose in a way for the ownership, it's helped by the fact that if they were at Upton Park, it feels like it could, come, it could come to a head more easily because you're not a million miles away from the pitch and you're able to actually create some kind of almost a positive negative atmosphere. Whereas I think it's so sterile for them. I don't really know how they, how do they channel that as a mass sort of force, you know, in the way that, Perhaps we were able to do at Anfield at times, or you know, or even just not even just not going would have very little effect, I think, because it just feels like that everything. Not only is everything going wrong, but the means to to change that is taken away as well, and that's a part of what's gone wrong. It's one where on the pitch you're able to look at quality, Philippa. You know, there's a few few good players there, but what they've been doing since November, they're at, they're not absolutely dire straits. I've had a little look, and you know, it, it's stats are stats, but the expected goal difference. The second worst um, since since uh, the since the start of November. They've got themselves in this situation where they, you know, just every single time they seem to take to the pitch, the opposition are creating a great deal more than them. They're not in games. They're not able to get involved. They do all right for a period when we go there, but the period is when we're two 0 up. They really just to me look like they're all at odds and ends with one another. There just doesn't seem to be. Um, I mean, you've got Mount Noble, but he's probably you know edging towards the end of his his career now. Um, and when you look beyond that, there isn't really any players who you would go, they're going to fight for this club. Maybe Declan Rice, but to me, he's not Mikel really... Mikel Antonio, possibly. Possibly, yeah. And I mean, he played um, last night against Man City. Um, but then when you set your team up to not even attempt to get anything out of the game, to basically just try and keep the score as low as possible, I just... I, f- I think fans find it really difficult to get behind that sort of a a way of going about things. Um, I mean, there's they've got some really good players there. I think Felipe Anderson, if he could actually get some consistency, I think that he could play at a higher level. Um, Lanzini's a player that I really like, but he's been in and out this season. And there was a lot of talk of money for Rice and Diop in the summer, just gone from other clubs. Mm. Yeah, you know, there are decent players there and it, something's just not right. Um, and I feel like Mark Noble takes a lot of the pressure of what's going on behind the scenes, maybe on his shoulders. Um, and I think that's probably why he plays pretty much every game because I don't think he should be a player that's playing every game at the moment. He's Far from it. So... 
he's basically there as like the representative to the fans to like basically try and keep the fans on side I feel like um but I don't know to me when you go back and you appoint somebody like David Moyes it's not really shouting that you you're being ambitious and that you're wanting to to get into Europe which is what they said mm. when they moved to the new stadium you know that they they were going to try and get in the Champions League and you know that was where they were heading and it only looks like they're going to go in one direction. I think, I think it is one th- I mean I haven't said you know there's other models other things I think it, it is difficult when you've got to sort of say that haven't you you've got to say we, we're going to get to the Champions League we're going to do X Y and Z because otherwise you're not showing ambition but then when you really look at the extent to which it's a closed shop among Six sides and a, and a couple of others who could maybe tell maybe a, a Leicester or Wolves miracle and your West and your West Ham and you've got the the pressure which is not entirely merited because it's not like West Ham have got eleven league titles it's but there is a sense that West Ham should be if they are in almost they either better off in being in the Championship or in a, or in the Premier League if they are in the Premier League they can't just be fifteenth and and sort of t- sort of tootle along you know and kind of like be okay yeah yeah it is a bit like Everton you you, you smash your head against the ceiling and then you inevitably find yourself some really, really struggling. And I think you have to be really smart to get around that. Um, and they've not been really smart. Yeah. And that, I think that's where the problem is with them. I think that's where the fan base is. Like I say, going back to it, it's like at least they were West Ham. Mm. At least mm. they were from Upton Park. At least the fans were right on top of the pitch. Yeah. And we were us as West Ham. And, you know, we might not do too well here, but on a cup tie and on our night, on our day, we can never be Arsenal, we can never be Tottenham, but we can be this. And that's being taken away from them as a fan base. Yeah. And, you know, you're looking at owners coming in and say, well, I'll give you a better theme tune, I'll give you a better ground, I'll give you a cleaner experience. That's not what the punters want. You've but got then, to give them what they want and, and respect mm-hmm. who they are. And I think, you know, we think back at it now, how many West Ham fans would say, I'd just rather be back where we were. And mm. um, we know who we are. And now we haven't been sold a lie. And at least if it doesn't go too well, at least we can always go back to Upton Park and still be us. And they haven't got that anymore. I think it's, I mean, it's such a truism to say that ultimately it's results because you could just sit here thinking, Leicester fans are sitting here going, what? Or just when we, were, when we were at Filbert Street, we were ourselves. And now, and whereas Leicester, because they had a load of money and were well run, have, have managed to find find what that new identity for themselves is. Yeah, so what Everton yeah. will be hoping to do with the, with the new stadium, I think, is what a new stadium gives you there's probably a, a whole thing to be done about it you know what did what does it felt like to be a Sunderland fan since you know since then and, and Arsenal and, and lots of sides what does a, a sort of new stadium it it inevitably has to feel like a fresh start but yeah. what do you do from there it doesn't, you, it doesn't usually end with them ending up better off it's generally it doesn't usually often, does it yeah what, what are you moving into well, Leicester being one where they haven't they didn't overreach with it with that stadium you know yeah. it didn't, they didn't build themselves a, a 65,000 palace of mega football they, they built themselves <laughs> A ground that fit for them. And Brighton built themselves yep. a, a ground, got themselves a ground that fits for them. I think they'd like it to be a little bit. I'd like it to be a little bit closer to Brighton. But you know, it's it's <laughs> it's that's been a you know a long-standing problem for them. And you know, compared to some places they've ended up, but um, grounds that are kind of fit for fit for purpose to sound like John Reed, um, one for the kids, um, <laughs> um, fit for their purpose um, is is a starting point. I think. Uh, just to touch on what we're going to do in this one, Damien, it seems like obviously Henderson's going to be out. The one Jane. thing you'd say is that it's six days between the game against Atletico and the game against West Ham. West Ham then comes and then there's another break, yeah. uh, elongated break until Watford away. So whilst the fixtures come thick and fast, they've not come in that thick or that fast. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's ideal really. I think he, uh, Jürgen likes the idea of playing 
five days suited, yeah, doesn't I it? I think five or six, yeah, I do. Yeah, just less than a week. You know, um, not quite twice a week. I think that's good. And obviously we've lost Jordan for a short time and that's a shame, but he's in such a powerful position here now, isn't he, Jürgen? Because he can really keep them all on. This is why I like the idea of us remaining in the FA Cup and taking it seriously because you've got a large pool of players who can all feel involved in something really special if we sort of build it towards the end of the season. And then what you could do is, if you think about it, and and, and it's not a question of arrogance, you know, West Ham can turn up, play the game in their lives, it runs for them, they win 1-0, good luck to them, and, you know, that makes us sound all stupid here. And it, it doesn't really, because that can happen on any given day. But but without disrespecting West Ham, Jürgen's got the opportunity to, in conjunction with the sports science lads, say, yeah, look, who's freshest here? And how do we keep these all fresh going forward? And how do we make these lads still as fresh and as dynamic as they can be in April and May? And by doing that, he can look at, say, for example, look at the Atletico fixture and count everything backwards from there and say, okay, we've learned a lesson there. I'm going to play 10 of the 11 that played in the away leg and I'm going to keep them fresh. And in the meantime, I can rotate and I can throw Divock on here. I can throw Matip in there. He's got, but Or equally, he can just say, no, I'm just going to stick with the best team because the lads who do need to come in are, are absolutely fine. He's in a, such a fantastic position. Who do you think he does for Henderson? And do you think he does anything else, uh, Philip? Do you think he has a look at anything else? I'd be really surprised, given the break, if it's not the same back four, same front three, and maybe two in midfield, but maybe only one. Yeah, I think I think for being a player again, because I think that he needs to get that rhythm back. Mm. Um, I felt that Wijnaldum maybe needs a l- to be taken out a little bit. It's not that he's playing particularly poorly, but he's just kind of not at that top level that he has been at. Um, so he might play Milner and then I would go with probably Cater. Um for me I think that would be my midfield three against West Ham Steve? I just think it'll be Cater straight in um, I, I, I thought I thought Ronaldo was okay for, for certainly for, for in, the, in the early stages of the game I thought he was one of our more prominent players um, against Atletico and I just think I think he probably just needs. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he, he needs a break. I think he probably just needs needs games and chances, maybe to get a little bit further forward, and, and that that's what this game would afford him as well—a chance to play a little bit of freedom and, and get himself on the score sheet. Do you that's think my, my big tip? Your big tip. Do you think there's anything in there? Do you think I'm right about same back four, same front three? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, it. yeah, um, because we stay there. I think the midfield one is obviously the question. I know Kate has come up there, and I wouldn't have any problem with that. Mm. Chamberlain too. There's two mm. lads there who we know are full of promise. We know we're full of attacking intent, energy, and we haven't quite seen the best of them yet. Mm-hmm. Now, we're made up that these are in our back pocket almost and say, well, look at these, they're going to grow into the team, they're going to grow into the team. Well, they need to grow into the team and they need to play. And what better sort of game would you be looking for than under the floodlights at Anfield against West Ham? Get one of these lads in the groove, let them get a goal and let them make a case for being the 11th selection against Atletico. Uh, just very, very quickly, I'm one for a saucy Adam Alana in this. I wouldn't mind going Kiter and Lallana. Fabinho, Kiter and Lallana is what I wouldn't mind because they're going to sit so deep. They're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah, uh, someone to go and join in certain areas and have two of them joining in those areas and going from there. Give me a prediction, Damien. Scoreline. Yeah. Reds by three goals. Reds by three. Steve? Yeah, three to nil. 3-0 yeah same. everyone's going 3-0 uh, yeah. 3-0 to the mighty boys in red let's hope that's the way in which it plays out on Monday night against West Ham United a dismal West Ham United listen thank you to everyone who's contributed uh, to Rasheen and Kyle and the people in front of me Steve Philippa and Amy and have a fantastic weekend no Liverpool playing they'll get there eventually though Sports Social Podcast Network